Blog Talk Radio.
Sir, the good times, baby. Uh, let me make an adjustment here. Hold on. Okay. Okay, adjustment made. Okay, uh, welcome to We Are Everyday People. This is Thursday Throwback, South Shore Tires for Life. That's the way it is. It is what it is. I want to keep it going as long as I can. I can't do it without the alumni. And I will spread the love uh, to other schools, other issues, and whatever else. But the foundation uh, will always be South Shore Towers for Life. I want to thank last week's guest, the singer, songwriter, producer, and the co-founder of the legendary R&B group, LaVert, Mark Gordon. Uh, Mark Gordon was kind enough to uh, come on and uh, talk about... uh, some really interesting situations and interesting topics, including uh, the uh, Levert, and you can't have an interview with Levert without, of course, talking about Gerald and Sean, and without going too deep into it, uh, he was really uh, gracious in discussing it, especially the ordeal with Sean and uh, his issue uh, w- from when he was in, in jail. Uh, that interview is in the archives. If you want to reach back into the archive and check it out, it's a really good interview. Uh, you can go to a blog talk dot com uh, forward slash Keith Bledsoe. It'll actually take you to all of the uh, shows in my archives, and you can pick out uh, South Shore Tars for Life Part Five. That's what it was last week. I also want to thank uh, Brother uh, Candy Gray, Leon Gray, as we knew him back in school. We know Miss Candy too. Uh, Candy Leon Gray, uh, well accomplished, highly accomplished uh, mortician. We talked about uh, mortuary science in a very respectable way. And he has some really good uh, statements to make. And it's interesting to have experienced that particular profession from the eyes of uh, and, and the sensitive psychological side of somebody who actually is confronted with this every day. You know, uh, when you're dealing with violence in the community, we read the paper and turn the page. But Brother Candy uh, sees the end results uh, on a consistent basis. And we talked about that and the psychological effects and so forth. That was last week. Uh, this week, uh, I'm going to talk about this week. I've got to talk about the Cubs. i got to say congratulations to the Cubs. I'm still uh, riding high off that. I tell you that uh, watching that game and watching that all the blue in the stands and watching those blue uh, tops of the Cubs uniforms, I tell you, the color blue never looked so beautiful to me, man. That color blue was just outstanding. 
And uh, it, it, it was this is the greatest Cubs team of all time, as far as I'm concerned. This is a, and, and they still this team is good for another seven to ten years, easy. I expect them to win this World Series this year. If they don't, they still exceeded their expectations for this year. And next year, Theo Epstein is going to have them with everything they might have been short of this year. Uh, maybe a closer, and it looks like uh, they may have one, but whatever it is they need, believe me, next year Theo will have it. So looking forward to that, looking forward to the Blackhawks, looking forward to the Bulls, looking forward to the Bears getting the number one pick in the 2016 NBA, uh, NFL draft. So that's something to look forward to. Who would that number one pick be? I just hope the Bears don't screw it up. Okay. This week, uh, we're going to bring on a brother who uh dynamic, dynamic brother here. He is uh, from Bryn Mawr School, South Shore, class of 76 alumni. Brother is a highly respected, highly accomplished professional guitarist uh, living in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina now. Uh, recently retired as a data storage engineer, and uh, we'll talk about all that. But I don't want to go any further. We're going to bring the brother right on. We're going to bring on Brother Ron Brown, Ron B. Smooth. Brother Ron, how you doing, man? Thanks for coming on the show. Oh, man, I'm I'm doing great, Keith, man. It's just an honor, privilege, and uh, just elated to be on the show, man. Just got to say thanks. Oh, man, thank you. I can't, you know, every interview I've done, I, I've been so, since, since the uh, since the picnic, uh, and I tell you, being at that picnic, I felt like I was surrounded by a bunch of celebrities. I mean, I felt like, you know, all, this, all the people you might have wanted to meet as a kid, you know, that you see on TV and everything, and how, how you feel if you're all of a sudden around these folks, you're looking around and big-eyed, and uh, that's exactly how I felt, man. When I saw people that I hadn't seen in years, it felt like I was meeting people that I always wanted to meet all my life. And uh, as it turns out, they were people I always wanted to see again, and uh and to see him, man, it was just an incredible, incredible feel, man. But uh, welcome wow. to the show, Brother Ron. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks. Now, speaking of, uh, I always start the interviews off. I I, I got this started uh, with the Road to South Shore reunion. Before the reunion, I was uh, I took people to a little, uh, you know, a little question and answer about the the, the good times. Mm-hmm. And I got to do it to you too, man. I got to bring it on out and see where you see where you was at, see what was happening. So when you think about uh, South Shore back in the days that you attended there, you know, what comes to mind? What sticks out when you're just mellowing out and reminiscing? Um, the new building really sticks out. It started as a freshman in the old building and just transferring over to that new building. It was like a whole new world going there. It was, it was like uh, stepping ahead in time. It was just modernized, man, and uh, just the different programs that were offered there, um, it, it was just outstanding, and uh, and all the, the people that I met who were musicians there, man, it, was, it was just so inspirational, and and to, to be respected there, and, and to learn a lot, and it just, you know, just have so many friends while I, I was there, and uh, and the interesting fact with that, uh, like, I have a really, really unique situation with South Shore, because my mother worked in the office as a clerk, so, you know, that, that makes the dynamic even different, you know, so uh, uh, a lot of people say, ooh, your mom works there, ooh, you can't get in any trouble, I'm like, yeah, I could, it, it was um, very interesting, because I, I knew a lot of the teachers, 
through my mother, and um, they they felt it was unfair for them to just like walk down to the office. You know, I cut my class today, so they just went through the regular procedures and stuff. But um, the thing was, I always kept a, a B plus average at school. So the one thing my mom always said was like, I know you do your dirt, but your grades do not show it. And so we had that understanding. That was cool. But I had so much fun in high school, man. Man, it was so much fun. And, you know, keeping that balance between being uh, studious and honor roll and, and learning about music, meeting so many really cool people and, uh, you know, just having a crush now and then. On people. It was just so cool. So eye-opening, man, eye-opening, you know. Yeah, wasn't wasn't the times different when you you, you know? And there's no comparison, of course, for for various reasons, it's, and not necessarily all reasons of their own. But when you look at the youth today, uh, you know, you really kind of feel for them when you look back at how we came up with, with such a. Uh, we, we had a much better unity, a much much more togetherness. We didn't we didn't have riots in school, and you know we had respect and of each other, our parents, and it, it just was a whole new day, man. Whole different time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 totally agree with that. I I feel that our parents were more involved with us. And, you know, our parents just had a, a different set of values, and um, our parents didn't try to buy our affection. Um, they really spent a lot of time with us. And there, there were those relationships with the teachers and the parents that um, in some cases really don't exist today. It, it was just uh, so much better. I really feel sorry for the youth of today because they don't have that situation. And, you know, to understand that we live in a very fast-paced society, and it, it, it really cuts down on the amount of time that people can spend, but I, I just think parents can, can work a little harder. But I really feel for the, for the youth. They just don't have that support system that we had. Uh, yeah. and, the, and the teachers are different now than they were then. I mean, it, it was just really, really something, man. Just, I remember having a teacher like uh, Mr. Gasek. He was my algebra trig teacher every day. He was like writing on the board, man. You just get hand cramps, you know. But get out of that class, man. It's the algebra trig wizard, you know. But thanks to him, you know. And yeah. He was just pretty straight laced. He's actually a funny guy, but he was very straight laced. But he just made sure we we learned and. and he was concerned. You know, he could have just chilled and said, I don't care if you guys get it or not, but he made sure that we did. And and I just really uh, appreciate the teachers like him and, and um, uh, Mrs. McCormick. She was my Spanish teacher. I took it two years in a row and, and uh, really dug Spanish. Man. But she used to let me bring my guitar to class. You know, I had to learn how to play the Frito Bandito, you know, which was like a popular commercial at the time. So I, I learned how to play that. And I said, can I come play the, you know, Frito Bandito in class and like for extra credit? She's like, yeah, you know. We had those old uh, record players, as you used to call them, and he had a jack to plug guitar into. I would crank that up, man, get some nice distortion out and rock it out and, and have the, the class just rocking, man. And, of course, I get straight A's in the class, and I, I loved it. Yeah. And, um... And I forgot what my teacher's name was that taught uh, computer science, but uh, I, I just remember uh, being a sophomore and walking past that class and seeing them on the key punch machines. I'm like, gee, that looks interesting. And so I got the class next year. That was a cool thing about having mom working there. It's like, I got the classes I wanted, you know. So I think yeah. man got an outstanding student award that year, and he saw that I was really picking the stuff up. So I learned Fortran programming. And I took it the next year, you know, level two, outstanding student award again. And I was like, well, I think this is my other calling, you know, along with mm-hmm. music. But, it, you know, was that, was, you know, was that Mr. Yanzoff? Like 
Was that Mr. Yaznov? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure was. Yeah, yeah sure I, I had was. him in data processing. Yeah, I had a class with him. Yeah, but, it, you know, when you look at stuff like that, man, those teachers were planting a seed. And if if I, I look at that, you know, because he saw that I had an interest in it and I picked it up, you know, he's greatly responsible for the fact that I excelled in IT because he was encouraging and, you know, really gave me that inspiration to, to do this and and keep on doing it. You know, and he even he would just sit and talk with me and say, you know, you really have a knack for this. I think this is something you should look into. You know, but just be, that that's a real teacher for you, man. You know, really look at you, your capabilities and, and your potential and, and gives you that spark to move on. And, and I'm just like eternally grateful for teachers like that, man. And that's, that's one of the questions. That's one of the questions I normally ask too. You you pretty much already asked it. I, I definitely I always ask the question uh, back back then. What educators had the influence on you to play a part in making you the person you are today? And you pretty much have answered that question. Unless there's a, a, yeah. a, a more that you have to add to it. Uh, there's there's uh, one teacher, uh, Mr. Anui, I think his name was. He taught algebra, and and actually. Uh, I was taking algebra at South Shore when I was in eighth grade at Bryn Mawr. So I would take that at 8 o'clock at South Shore and get back to Bryn Mawr by 9. So I got this accelerated learning, and Mr. Newey thought I was really good in math, and if he pushed me in it, and I picked up algebra like that, and, you know, he, he pushed me this like, you know, when you come in here as a freshman, you know, take geometry and then take, you know, algebra tricks, so you can do this. And, and he was spot on, man. He he was spot on. So I come in as a freshman, you know, hanging out with the sophomores. It was kind of cool, you know. I felt uh, I felt somewhat like a celebrity, but also felt it was somewhat intimidating coming there with with the uh, elder students and stuff. So you know, it's like uh, I got to be cool and not you know nerd out and stuff like that, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. But but man, you, you know, it's, it's those kind of experiences that that. I got in high school, man. I, I wouldn't trade anything for it because those people develop character. That that teaches you how to deal with certain situations, you know, and, and not bomb, you know, but to be humble, you know, and, and realize hey, you got a little something going on, but you ain't, you know, you ain't that cool, you know. You still got a way to go, but man, it's just those, those kind of situations, man. It's just uh, great life experiences, man. That, that you can't pass on to someone. You just have to experience it, and, and it makes you the person that you are. I hear you. South Shore was like phenomenal. Phenomenal. That 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 has that has been a constant with everybody I've talked to. I've did several interviews at the picnic, and I've done well. This is the sixth show since the picnic that I've done. Everybody has the same uh, memories of South Shore. I think that's that says a whole lot for our time that nobody has had anything negative to say about where we come from. Man, that's that's a beautiful thing. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So who who was your who was your yeah. circle back then? Who 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 was your backup? Who held you up and who did you hang with? And uh, you know when you're up or when you're down and who you could uh, express yourself and not have to worry about being on blast, you know? Man, to this very day, I met I met this cat my sophomore year um, at South Shore, and to this day he's still my best friend. It's, it's Eddie Duckworth, and. Um, Man, we've just been so tight ever since, man. I mean, like, like you know, going through life and all that. Like, I go through experience, you know, and 
he, he's the cat I always talk to and, and vice versa, man. It's just like, you know, the serious ace boom cool, man. It's everything, you know, from yeah. situations with our parents, siblings, uh, children, uh, love life, you know, spouses, blah, 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 jobs, all of that. Uh, that's been the cat, you know, that's been like, like my number one. And, um, and then, uh, I, and I actually got him, uh, got him into IT, like, back in, like, 1980, man. I was, like, killing the IT game. Um, and, and I actually got an opportunity at a company that the mob owned, the Chicago mob did own this company. And, and I was doing so well, man. They let me just bring guys in and, they hired them on my Safeco. And I had to train them, you know, so it just gave me the opportunity yeah. to get 10 brothers in and get them in the IT field. And everybody's gone their own direction in IT, man, and made a career of it. And, and I'm like, man, you know, I feel like oh, I did my good deed for the day. I did my good deed for life, you know. And that's what we're supposed to do, man. I wish more people felt, felt like and did that instead of trying to keep everything to themselves and stay high and mighty and above everybody else, man. That's a beautiful story there. Yeah, man. It, it, th- those times, um, that that was just um, very eye opening. I was I was young. I was real hungry. Um, just learned stuff very analytical, logical thinking. And and so I worked with guys who were much older than me. But man, I soaked up everything they said. You know, like a sponge, man. It was it was one guy's my supervisor at this company that the mob owned, um, and he taught me how to read hexadecimal code machine code, on the job, taught me how to read an IBM manual. And and that's the kind of stuff, man, uh, colleges weren't teaching. This is what you had to learn um, through IBM or, or, you know, old school cat that knew this, man. Yeah. And, oh, man, I used to love that. You know, like reading hexadecimal dumps, man. <laughs> and and I, I, I used that, like, later on in the 90s, man. <laughs> But we don't we don't yeah, we don't we don't so. get back to that we don't get back to that because I, I definitely want to talk about it. I know that you've uh, recently retired as a uh, data storage engineer but we're gonna get to that but I got I yeah. gotta go back to South Shore for a second uh, and because because so, you 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 you're gonna have me skip a question very important question I have to ask you and that is <laughs> and I ask everybody uh, else because we had them you know I had one of every classroom I had a reason to go to that class each and every one so I had me a million crushes. Uh, uh, so back in the day, who did you have that schoolboy crush on, man? Man, Deborah Williams. <laughs> Deborah Williams from Bryn Mawr all the way through South Shore, and she never knew I had a crush on. But Deborah used to do it, do it to me, man. She just had this beautiful hair, had this warm, kind of raspy voice. She was funny, and uh, and she was cool and uh it, it's like anytime i you know would go back and look at the pictures i'm like looking at her like man why did i holler at her man why did I holler at her? But yeah that boo that used to do it i just thought she was just the uh, most beautiful coolest funniest girl back in the day man just so Deb- deborah did you ever get a chance to, to uh, let her know that uh, there was a time when you felt that way about her? No, man. Nah. Never got a chance. My bad. Blew that. Well, hopefully somebody's listening who knows her and can get it back to her. <laughs> she can check out the show. Yeah. Deborah Williams. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, now, 
when did you decide that you wanted to play this guitar? When when did this music phase come into your life? Oh man, I originally I was like eight years old, and um, I have an aunt that sings, plays piano, and her younger sister, who's three years older than me, she plays piano. I used to go over to her house all the time, and she let me bang on the upright, and I would watch her play. She would teach me some stuff. But then my Uncle Juan took me down in his basement one day, and he said, hey, you want to learn how to play an instrument? I was like, hell yeah. So he pulls out a trumpet. I'm eight years old, and he's teaching me how to blow trumpet at eight. You know, and I'm like getting dizzy as hell, right? And finally I get it down to get notes out of it. He's like, okay, you got that. He said, I'm going to show you something else. And he was a big jazz head. So he goes back in his room, comes out with this old-school Fender jazz bass. Man, this thing was, like, humongous. And he plugs up to his amp, man, and it's rolling some Miles Davis. He's playing his bass to this Miles Davis, and it's shaking the very foundation of the house. And that did it for me. I told him after that, I said, man, the trumpet is cool, but can you hook me up with that thing right there? So um, when I graduated eighth grade from Bryn Mawr, they bought me my first guitar, and it was a Kingston bass. So I'm playing bass. I'm playing bass. And then I learned how to play drums, too. And then I'm hanging out with, you know, musician cats, you know, Jeff Walker, uh, my boy Tony, Spock, uh, Ronald Price, Vern Allison, who came out of the 70s. Seven, I believe it was. You know, it's sometimes Kendall Crutchfield and Mike White and stuff, and Blair Mathis and Joe Stroder and, and Glenn. And and um, I'm hanging out with these cats one day, and somebody throws on uh, Jimi Hendrix, and it was Band of Gypsies. And I'm listening, and I'm like, a guitar sounds like that. I'm like, uh, I gotta learn how to play that then. You know, so I'm, like, looking at this album, I notice he plays lefty like me. And I'm extremely right-handed, just the guitar feels comfortably lefty. So I just started listening to Hendrix, listening to Hendrix, listening to Hendrix. And the actual rock side of music was what really drew me into playing more and more guitar because it was all about playing lead guitar, lead guitar. And there weren't a lot of uh, um, lead guitar players in uh, R&B and funk, you know, with the exception of Ernie Isley, uh, my boy Ben uh, Slave, and, you know, Funkadelic, and, you know, just a little bit here and there. I was all about the lead guitar. This Hendrix, man, I just, like, started studying, learning all his songs, all his licks, and, and, and not just um, the licks, but learning how to play rock guitar, how to have that energy, that tone, right. that sound, that aggression, that attack. I mean, it was like a science to me to learn how to do that. So Jimmy was the one that just turned me out and just opened me up into a whole nother world of music, man. And I was learning all the stuff that we call classic rock now. And, you know, then you do the metamorphosis later on and start, you know, doing other stuff, Steely Dan and and come back around to R&B and really started learning how to play rhythm guitar and then jazz. But, yeah, Jimmy Hendrix was one man that just, like, turned me out. And uh, and I was just trying to be Jimmy Jones, man. Every time I played, I was trying to sound like him. You know, but, but that's, like, part of, of being a musician where you, you emulate somebody until you find your sound. Exactly. That's you. Yes. And, and, and I remember when that happened, 
I'm playing with uh, Ronald Price and Vern Allison, and we're doing a three-piece song that we wrote called Broken Hearts. And they tell me to take a solo, and I'm playing this woman tone that Jimi Hendrix used in uh, uh, Who Knows and Machine Gun. And something told me to just, you know, just adjust my pick a certain way. And, and this different tone came out that was, like, really biting. It just cut through the mix. And I was like, oh, I love this. It just just got this killer biting tone to it. And that became my sound. And and from that point, man, it, it, it just changed how I played, how I attacked the guitar. And it was, it was funny because uh, I became the brother that sounded like the gray boy. He <laughs> played guitar. And, and people would seek me out and stuff, man. But, yeah, that, that whole Jimi Hendrix thing, man, you know, to the point my mom, do I, I love Jimi Hendrix so much that, you know, Christmas, she'd buy me a Jimi Hendrix album. And I'm like, oh, oh thank you. I got to share this story, Brother Ron. We we talked before, and like I was saying, sometimes we can the, the conversation is so good on the on the pre, pre-show. pre It's almost like, yeah. damn, we're doing the show right then. But I got to share this one here because I was telling you that I remember, like it was yesterday, and uh, – I said this this brother is really really into Jimi Hendrix, and it was it was all in a respectable way that I saw that you really admired this brother, and you wasn't just into his music; you was also into his head, you was into his psyche and 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 his, his the way he carried himself outside of the drugs. Because I remember we had an English class together. I, it was I think the teacher was Mr. Rota. Remember Mr. Rota? Yeah, white yeah. white teacher looked like Jesus looking teacher, white guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's the only cat that wrote me a cut, man. <laughs> really? But but you know, we had an assignment where we were to write about something. I don't know, maybe who we, we admired or whatever. And I remember you doing your uh, write-up on Jimi Hendrix, and you stood up before the class, and you spoke about him, man, and, and everybody was quiet. And you, you, you're talking about high school kids at that age, not signifying, not making fun of you, but really hearing what you had to say about this brother, man. And when you were done, it was like, wow, that was beautiful. Because you used to always draw pictures of Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, yeah. I used to see, I used to see you drawing pictures of Jimi Hendrix. And, uh, and the ironic thing about that is I remember your uh, report, but I have no idea what I talked about for mine. Ain't that something? <laughs> I have no idea what I wrote about. <laughs> now, that's plenty I have no see, idea. Right? I said, damn, I, I, I I started thinking about it, and I said, well, damn, what did I write about? Wait, I know, what did I write? I have no idea. But I just wanted to say, yes, you, your Jimmy Hendrix influence was, was on you, and I, and I think that had to, you, had, uh, you had to be a freshman. I, I probably was a sophomore uh, then. But, uh, yeah, I, I do remember that influence of Jimmy Hendrix, man. It was, it was it, I admired your admiration of him. Yeah, my mom thought I was, like, crazy, but, but she knew I, I just had a passion for Jimmy and, and – uh, uh, still do, man. It's just something like, you know, I'll go play like a jam session or something, or if I do like a local hit here with a band, I'll, I'll pull out a Jimi Hendrix lick in a minute, man. And it's something when you have uh, um, musicians or people in in the audience that recognize those licks, you know, and they start calling yeah. out, Jimmy, Jimmy, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it, it's, it's something like um, some of the uh, jam sessions I go to down here in North Carolina is, uh, the slot cats that, that play uh, classic rock and blues and stuff, and, and they always ask me to play something by Jimmy. And they're like, you got that Jimmy Hendrix vibe, man. You got that sound. You know, uh, okay, uh, yeah, I can do that. 
you know, it's not like I'm gonna say no, right? Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. Enjoy it, man. Still. To let me let day, me ask you this. When when you first started playing the guitar, because I, I was telling you uh, the other day when we spoke that I, I bought a guitar, nice, real nice Washburn, uh, spanking brand uh-huh. new still, man, uh, about fourteen years ago, and I always had this ambition I wanted to uh, to jam and appreciate and look out at the audience and, and have them appreciate what I'm what I'm playing. Never got there. It still ain't too late, but I ain't got there. How, what 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 routines did you have to practice that guitar? What what did you do to learn that guitar? And what would you recommend? Is there any type of training or any something you can give a beginner to where they can at least get started and get into a rhythm of practicing and learning how to play that guitar? Um, yeah, man, even like it's so different today than it was mm-hmm. for me and for us back in the day. Now they got YouTube. They got guys who will show you on YouTube how to play, how to play licks, how to play scales. You know, they go through the whole modal system. Um, how to play like this person, how to play like that, how to do sweet picking, circular picking, you know, muted tones. There's so much out there that's available. But I would I would say to, to start out, I would still say go get a book. I mean, I started out like with a male bay uh, beginner's guitar book just to learn what the notes were on the neck and what they look like on the staff and then how to learn basic chords. And, and then that was helping me so I could learn song structure. And uh, then from there, I would say go to YouTube and try to, you know, type in some songs you want to learn. And you, you, sometimes you got to fish through YouTube because sometimes there's guys on there just want to show off their licks and they're not teaching yeah. them jack. Yeah, so you kind of got to go through it. But it's really a lot of guys out there that's, that are really helpful, really, really helpful. And some guys have, like, uh courses that you can purchase that, that are inexpensive. They're always running some kind of crazy sale because they're trying to get people to buy them. And, and uh, uh, they're really good. There's a lot of them really good that take you through the basics that will take you different levels up to it. You know, and So I would say that would be definitely a method to go through. Because, in fact, a friend of mine I met down here, he's a, a, Berkeley, a Berkeley School of Music graduate. His uh, grandson, I, I just got him a, a little Fender guitar, and I'm going to teach him, and I'm going to give him that method. You know, we're going to get a little book, we're going to start from there, get his fingers ready, get the exercise ready, then we're going to go through some videos so he has something to practice with. So, yep, that would be okay. a method, I would say. Okay, you, YouTube is interesting. You're right, man. I tell you, with with with, with the computer, you, if, a, if a kid has a computer and, and it's not passing his classes, I mean, what excuse do you have? You can learn, you can learn anything—math, science, anything you want on the internet. Now you now yeah. I'm, look at how to play a guitar. There's no excuses. For, well, there there is reasons, many reasons why you, you you could, but generally speaking, all things being equal, uh, anything you want to know, you can pick up on a computer. That's not what I'm trying to say. That's great. Yeah, yeah, I I, I totally agree. It's it's just uh, um, the mechanics is the only thing that the the computer can't teach you. Is is the relationship between your head and your fingers. Yeah, um, yeah. Hey, on, on a side note to that, um, I'm I'm actually uh, mentoring a student and teaching them how to record and engineer and mix and master. And um, I've actually been approached to do some more students to teach them, and not just that, but to teach them 
instrumentation as well. And um, since I have like a, a really nice home studio here with isolation rooms and stuff, I'm, I'm actually letting a drummer use my facility to teach a four-year-old how to play drums. So wow. what we're going to be doing is setting up a curriculum to teach students how not just to play their instrument alone, but to play in a band. And that's going to be like the the graduation. Instead of just a regular recital you play by yourself, no. You play with a band. You learn how to groove with people because that's what YouTube can't teach you. It can't teach you how to play with a band, how to get in where you fit in, you know, how to find your space, how to lock in with the band, how to feel the band. So that's what we're going to do. And actually, um, you know, going to take these students to some of these jam sessions I go with seasoned musicians and have them sit in. And because those musicians are just great, man. They're, they're all about helping people build their confidence. And that's, I found, that's, that's one of the biggest things, man, uh, working with people who have never done any kind of studio recording or anything like that is that confidence factor. That's what they need. So that's what I'm doing now, man. And it, it's a beautiful thing, you know, because I look back at, when I when I was going to South Shore, there were some guys who helped me out, and you know they were accomplished jazz musicians. They were recording everything. They were good friends with Phil Upchurch, and they just took me under their wing yeah. and gave me that confidence. You know, to tell me they say you got it, you just need some help. You know, and, and man, they were grilling me all the time. I, they'd walk up to me, okay, what's the notion of C major seven chord? You know, like blah 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 blah. blah. Okay, what's this? You know, just to make sure I was on point. But it, it was stuff like that, man, that, that really helped propel me to keep going and keep reaching and stuff. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I, I really believe in paying it forward, man. And uh, and I, I definitely want to give it back because it's you know like like you had that high of playing on stage, man, and, and the audience is just grooving with you, man. And and you see people out there got that chicken neck thing going with the groovy land out. But mm-hmm. another high is when you help someone young achieve something that they thought they couldn't do, and you show them that yeah you can do this and it's easier than you think, and it's how you do it. You can apply yourself, you know. That to me, that's just like an ultimate high there. Those two. Man. Mm-hmm. How, how long? How long did it take you to get to a point where you where you actually felt comfortable with the guitar, and when you felt that you were a you were indeed a guitar player, about how long did that take from the time you started until the time you had that feeling like you know what I can play this thing? Oh man, that that took years, um, and it went and it went through phases because you mm-hmm. know you sit at home and you you're shedding, you're shedding, you're shedding, and then you step out. And I remember the first time I went and stepped out with a band, and I listened to them and and um, playing R and B, and and I said, hey. I got this Black Sabbath tool, see if you guys can follow, you know, and I'm playing, I'm, and I'm killing it, and, and the, but the groove was really tight, and, and, you know, right after that, they asked me, said, hey, man, would you consider um, joining our band, and and all these cats went to South Shore, and um, and that was like phase one of knowing that I'm starting to arrive, I've, I've made it to that level, and then when I went to uh, Northern Illinois University, I applied late. So they stuck me in the building with the art music major, which was a blessing for me. Because those guys wow. were, were crack trained musicians, man. They sight read and all that. So they're teaching me how to read jazz charts. And I'm sitting with them. We're writing songs, man. We, we're just killing some of the best musicians in the state of Illinois. 
and um, and they they tell me they always ask me to go play with them, and they tell me that they think I'm the best guitarist that they played with. That was a, a big boost to me, you know, to the point where you know Dizzy Gillespie was going around touring colleges and playing with the jazz bands, and they got me to meet Dizzy Gillespie, and so I'm like dumbfounded. I'm like, uh, 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 uh hi, you know. Wow. But it, it wow. was that confidence factor hanging with them, you know, and and then. Uh, listen to other music, and I come back and play with my boys in Chicago. I'm at a whole nother level of playing, man. Just a whole nother level just from that, man. And I said, yeah, I've arrived. Tell tell me about the first time uh, I would take a break, but I'm going to ask you this before we take it. I want to play a couple of uh, cuts from your your writing. But uh, what, what was it like the first time uh, that you were on, actually on, on stage in a band where you really had a, a major event where you really had to bring it type of thing. What Do, do you remember uh, being on stage and uh, having that feeling of domination like like, like we did this? I, yeah. I guess I'm trying to look at some of your most satisfying moments on stage, I guess to make a long story short. Yeah, yeah. Um... It, that the whole stage thing is is uh, um, the first thing that happens is the fright, you know. And especially like when I was younger, it's always about fright. It was that, that shyness thing coming out, and then the guitar was the way for me to get out of that. This was me getting into that guitar and you know making love to that guitar, and mm-hmm. that's that feeling of of playing a guitar solo and building it, you know, and and going up and, and getting to that. Repetitious lick at the end. We got the guitar screaming. You know, people are like, yeah, play that, boy, play that. You know, that's that's like wow. But I tell you, man, it's like one of the one of the weirdest things. Like, you get into playing the instrument so much, sometimes you don't see the crowd. It's like like how you see in movies where dead center, you see something, maybe a couple people in the crowd, but really just your instrument. Everything else is fuzzy. You know, that's and it's like yeah. you're in this. In this zone, man, in this zone yeah. playing. That's interesting. And, and then you start hearing it on the side, man. And and that is just, you come out of the zone like, oh, I'm killing it. Oh, great, great. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's really a, a funny feeling, man. Um, yeah, and and, and, and just, uh, just recently I just did a local hit here playing with these guys, a new band I got with. And, um, and they let me take an extended solo. And and I, I got my nice Hendrix tone playing. I'm just going. I, I turned around and faced the amp, man. And I grabbed the amp and I started humping the amp like Jimmy did at Monterey Pop Festival. And they're like, oh, oh. <laughs> so then later, people in the audience are like, he was playing a guitar like Prince, man. Keep doing that. Keep doing that. Speaking of Jimmy, I'm sure you had to jam uh, Hey Joe on stage at least one or two times in your life. Uh, Oh yeah, yeah. Probably like a month ago, somebody called it out. Play Hey Joe, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> I love, I love, that, I, I love that guitar. I love that that guitar uh, playing in that record, man. That was, that was, I think that was my personal favorite of his. Uh, yeah, I love that run in there. Uh, those runs, I, I just love that, man. And uh, that Purple Haze. Uh, and, and I always ask you to play Red House because I love playing a slow blues and, and I love playing Muddy Waters too. But yeah, it's, it's, those are like my favorite. The Hey Joe thing because it's really a pretty tone. It can be really, really. It pretty is. Tone. It is. 
Brother Ron, we have a yeah, caller, man. Let's yeah. uh, let's let's take let's take a before we take the little break. We gonna, we gonna have a caller here. Uh, we'll we'll bring him on and uh, bring him or her on. We'll bring the caller on. The last four digits is five eight six nine, and uh, we will. Oops, let me do this over here because that primary is just okay. Okay, uh, uh, caller, are you there? Yes, I am. How are you? I'm great. How you doing? I'm good. This is Doreen. Hey, Doreen. What's going on? Oh, nice to hear much. from you. I finally sat down and made sure I would call in today just to say hello. I appreciate it. We got Brother brother Ron B. Smooth, Brother Ron Brown back in the mm-hmm. day. You know Brother Ron? I remember his face. I I um I recall seeing him. I know he's the class behind us, but sure, I recognize him. Yes. Hello, yeah, he, Ron. He, he, he. <laughs> Wow, this is nice. Yeah, yeah I, I, Ron was definitely Ron was definitely a Jimi Hendrix man back in the day. I was telling the story about uh, seeing him. He was always drawing the pictures, and he, and he did an outstanding uh, a report on on Hendrix that had the classroom mesmerized. And you know, for kids oh, really? that age, kids that mm-hmm. age, you're talking about Jimi Hendrix, and the way he talked about him, and the way he he explained his admiration for the man in a yeah. way that it was really something to hear. It was really, I, yeah. I never forgot that. Now, what I did forget, I have no idea what my report was about. Yeah. None. <laughs> okay, so what good. It left a lasting impression. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure did. Absolutely. Yeah. I got one guy friend that I actually went to my first grammar school with from 61st, and it wasn't even King Drive. It was South Park. He's the only South other. Park, yeah. Yep, that's right. That's the street I was born on. And uh, he's a big Jimi Hendrix guy, and uh, he's the only one. And he has his—he has stuff in his house, and he plays them all the time. So it's, it's two of you all out there. So you know, his name is uh, Ralph. Ralph. He, you know, I was from 61st, and I went to A.O. Sexton School, and uh, ah. that's where I met him. And we're and we're still friends since 1962 when we started kindergarten. Wow. Yeah, we oh, still that's, that's something. Yeah, that's something. I believe yeah, in is. keeping up with my folks, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, that's a yeah. beautiful thing. Yes, it is. you got you're gonna have to come on and let me uh, and, and do a show with me now. I, I'm gonna have to uh, get you on here so so we can do a one on one like this one and we can dig into Doreen Jones. Okay, that's fine. Ain't not much, you know. I'm just me. Uh, Forty years later, I guess. That's all. That's that's, that's all we want to talk about. Just you, forty okay. years later. Yeah. And all that in between. Mm-hmm. That's all. Okay. Okay. Well, let me know. I, I absolutely will do that. Okay. Thanks a lot for calling, okay. Doreen. I appreciate it. All right. It. Absolutely. You guys take care. Ron, nice talking to you, too. You, too, Doreen. Thanks so much. All right. Take care, guys. Take care. All man. right. You, too. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. There we go, Brother Ron. See what you did? Yeah. Call <laughs> right now, we're going to do, because like I said, uh, I definitely want to... Uh, uh, put your art down there. And speaking of uh, your art, I, I had an interview with, I don't know if you know Lamont Dixon. He came out with oh, me. Oh, man, and Nate sounds, yeah, Nate sounds really familiar. Yeah, yeah. but anyway, he, he, he he's from Bryn Mawr, and he, he, we, he, he's a great, great singer, and uh, he, he I did an interview with him, I think, on uh, week two, on part two of a South Shore Taj for Life, and it was a beautiful thing, man. I busted out a couple of his tunes uh, on the uh, show, just like I'm a to. Bust out a couple of yours with a commercial in between right now. So here we go. Brother Ron B. Smooth. We'll be right back.
Hey, Chicago, for your next family reunion, call Jimmy Williams of Abstract T-Shirts at 773-690-5366. That's 773-690-5366. Your family reunion expert since 1990, with photo T-Shirts and custom printing available. You can see samples of his work on the Internet. Search for JimmyWilliamsOnline.com. That's JimmyWilliamsOnline.com. One word. For families wanting reasonable prices, quality service, and good advice at making their family reunion a success, call Jimmy Williams from Abstracts T-Shirts at 773-690-5366. That's 773-690-5366. Your family reunions should always be a happy occasion, and your T-Shirts should reflect that. Call Jimmy Williams at 773-690-5366. Your T-shirt man.
Ryan, those are some beautiful cuts, man. Beautiful cuts. You you, you, you taking me back to Rainbow Beach, man? Man, yes, sir. <laughs> just that's something, man, because uh, <laughs> the, the last cut is called uh, Southside Sunset, and it's definitely that influence, man, of being on the lake. And, and when I came up with this, it, it was like, the thought of, like, you know, you jump in the car and drive down Lakeshore Drive, right, from 67th Street downtown, you know, and you hit the point, man. It was like one of those cruises songs, man. One of those Yeah. So you, know, so you know I ain't just talking. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, yeah. right. So, man, you just validated what I was feeling when I did it, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. I tell you, I said, man, this, this is Rainbow Beach back in the days right here. Shit, you know. Yeah, yeah. Man, uh, uh, just on an example, one of my, my partners here that I met in, in Charlotte, he's from Buffalo, New York, you know, an incredible sax player. He went up to Chicago to do some work for about a month and hung out with some people there, and they took him to 63rd Street Beach. He got to experience the music there and the congos and the bongos and the girls oh, dancing this stuff. And he, and he was like, man, this was incredible. I said, dude, that was every weekend for us, man. Yes, yes. <laughs> Yeah, I said, that's the stuff I miss, man. That's the stuff I miss, you know. So how does the uh, how does the songs come to you? I mean, how does the, does it do you kind of uh, like when you sleep? Do you kind of dream of a rhythm and you kind of jump up and kind of try to uh, record it or do something with it so you don't forget it? How, how does it come to you, or is it all just spontaneous and natural for you? Um, so different ways. Um. Like with Southside Sunset, it, it started out with that melody, ba do ba do ba do do, and ba do ba do, and built all around that, and that just stuck in my head. I was like, this is a really nice melody, but how do I pull it off? And it's different, yeah. you know, because uh, normally, like in smooth jazz, you got like a horn playing a melody, and I was like, I don't want that, you know. I want to do this different. I don't want the guitar playing it. I want to use like a synthesizer doing fake brass to do it and then come in with real brass later, you know, and change the chord structure. But I want to build it on this and then I want to have a chord structure after it um, that just has a little change to it that adds a little more edge to it. And um, and then playing the guitar solo, man, that was just like magic. It's like one of those days, you know, 2 o'clock in the morning, turn the red light on, put the headphones on and just hit it. And it's like one take and it's done. You're like, yeah, that's it. That's it. I'm done. I'm done. That's it. You know. But it, it, it varies. It, it got to one point uh, when I was living outside Detroit, it got to the point where they would come to me first thing in the morning, like when I wake up with the fresh ears, and I'd have to turn the system on. And, you know, you're doing breakfast. All of a sudden it hits you. And you go run in the room, man, and start putting it down. Like, And, and then the other things was like, you know, use the phone and send the, the voicemail message. So, like I got a phone called voicemail, which was actually done all over the phone. Every part on it I thought of just like at work and sang it to the phone and picked it up off my voicemail and put it together a piece at a time. So it comes, you know, like that. Uh, big thing with me is I love to collaborate and hear what somebody else has, and then I can vibe right off. It's like, whoa, I feel this, mm-hmm. I feel that. By the way, I didn't I really I didn't love that. I don't want to let the people know that the first song uh, uh, right after the, at the break that was called Detroit. Uh, after the commercial, that re- uh, song is called Sunset. Just so you know, if you want to uh, 
maybe get a copy of it. You can check with Brother Ron B. Smooth, and I'm sure he'll get with you on that. It's a beautiful up. song, yeah. man. Beautiful song. That's that's some backyard barbecues, uh, uh, picnics. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks. L.A. Beach weather, man. That's, that's, that was a beautiful touch, man. That's, I, I listened to all of them. And I knew I could only play a couple, two or three. So I said, these, I think these two are, they're all great songs, but these two, I really had a certain, had that old school beach feeling with. So I said, this, this is it here. Yeah. That, that represents South Shore, man. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Indeed. Yeah. Now yeah, you have, uh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, this is the, the song, uh, um, actually like the song Southwest Sunset. I, I met a guy at a, a restaurant I was I was blasting it in my car, and I pull up in the parking lot, and the guy's ready to get in his car, and he heard it. He was like, can you play that for me again? And I was like, yeah, sure, and I'm blasting. He's like, this was good. He's like, you're a musician? I'm like, yeah, this is mine. And he winds up, he's a drummer, songwriter, keyboard player, and we hooked up. And wow. he's a good friend of mine. He's from Chicago, a guy named Kevin Sconyers, and, and he has been tremendous. Uh, working with me, doing arrangements and stuff. We actually have a nice, a nice uh, songwriting coalition now. You'll be hearing some stuff coming out from us like early next year. Um, we're putting together the Chicago thing, a Detroit thing, a Milwaukee thing, and be down here in, in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, and just putting the catalog together, man. It's putting some fantastic stuff together. You know, all kind of genres, man. It's just, just, and I've worked with these cats before, man. It's, Oh man, it's just magic happens, man. It's just one of those things you hear something they're doing, like, ooh, let me put something on that, man. So, yeah, just now, be on the lookout for have, it, man. Do you have a favorite genre? Do, do you have uh, a preference? Jeez, um, you know, nowadays everything I, I do kind of uh, it has this uh, funk, jazz sort of thing I add to it. Like even if I'm doing something that's uh, contemporary, like, folky or a little rock. I, I am really inclined to throw that funk and jazz element into it to, to put a groove on it. I noticed that. So, I, I, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and uh, uh, in fact, I have a nephew um, down here in, in Raleigh, North Carolina. He, he does hip-hop, really old-school type stuff, very positive messages. You know, and talking about being a, a a young black man trying to raise a father and being a hip hop king, and um, and I actually did a, a tune with him. We we'll released sometime next year, and he just came to me with a, a drum beat, some lyrics, man, and I just put all these instruments on it. So in this thing, you got this whole Larry Graham bass guitar, you got some Prince keyboards, you got you know some Prince guitar that I'm playing on this stuff, man, and just putting all these different influences, that old school Fender Rose piano, you know, funk chords, jazz chords, you know, clavinet stuff. And we heard, he said, oh, my God, that's what I always wanted to do was, you know, have real instrumentation going on, that old school vibe. And uh, Mm -hmm. and actually he released an album um, uh, right before the summer and actually put it out on vinyl as well. And I did a horn arrangement on there for him. And it was actually from one of my uh, jazz cuts, from a Bossa Nova cut that I did. So it was and the Bossa Nova trumpet with uh, some hip hop. It came out phenomenal. I, I was just really honored to be asked to, to do that. You know, and it was a really quick project, and just you know, just be able to put that old school vibe on something new school, man, just changes the game. Man, it changes the game. 
So you you just, you just take it and customize it to 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 to, to what you want to do with it. Yeah, yeah. And I told you know, yep. I throw it all at them. I say, take out what you want. You know, do what you want. And, and sometimes you know, sit with people in the rain stuff. And I work with uh, a few hip hop artists down here, and uh, actually some in Chicago back in the nineties. And just really try to turn them on to music. You know, try to keep things musical, not just. Um, a drum machine, a loop, and a catchy phrase, you know, actually make it musical, make it give some ear candy, you know, make it appealing to to quite a few people. So now you also uh, have just recently retired as uh, a data storage engineer after, what, about 30, 30 years or so? Uh, how are you yeah. enjoying that retirement, man? You, you you regretting it? You wish you was back in there every day or what? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> man, um, actually the last year and a half of, of working in, in IT has kind of like sucked some of the life out of me because it became very intensive uh, with new hardware and software where it took a lot of time and effort out of me where I wasn't able to devote as much as I wanted to the things that I love to do. So now I'm in the position where I'm playing catch up and and I love it. It's like I'm busy now. You know, I'm I'm uh I'm recording a band's demo, uh, and I ran into another guy that played keyboards on a gig with me and he asked me to join his band and they got some stuff coming up on the beach and need to record a demo for them and I'm mentoring this guy and um Another band I used to play in, they're doing something for artists. They asked me to record them for the artists. And I'm repairing this guy's motif keyboard for him. And I'm doing guitar modifications and bass modifications. There's a couple of bass players here. I'm like the technician. I Frankenstein their bass guitars out for them, you know, change off the electronics in them. And they keep bringing me more and more. It's like, oh, you did that one? Then do this one, you know. So... I'm I'm really enjoying getting back into things more like I used to, and even yeah. more so because I don't have to devote that ten hours a day to being logged into a computer and conference calls, you know, and the weekends of installing hardware and software and and being on call twenty four seven, you know, and watching yeah. the clock. It's like I can sit here and play with music and and. Uh, just really enjoy it, man, and study it. You know, it's it's just so much fun, man. Man, it's just so I can much imagine. fun. So you yeah. you're still a busy man, but but you're doing what you love to do. It's not even like it's it's just it, it's nothing like doing what you love to do, man. It's not nothing like it. I, I, I'm I'm in, yeah. I'm right there with you. Yeah. Yeah, and and I'm I'm looking to take this even farther. You know, I have a, a business called. Audio works, and you know it encompasses all that I do, and I'm I'm looking to even expand that out. You know, start doing sound reproduction for bands because I have a, a complete sound system as well. And I've been mixing music, you know, since the '80s. You know, some of the bands I played with back then, I had them sounding like gold, and, and it got to the point bands where the competition would call me and ask me, "Hey, can you come mix our show for us?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure," because I love doing it. I just always had this ear and this compassion for electronics, music, and, and how to put the two together. And even working on computers, uh, when I had a passion for that 
many years ago. But when when that started getting towards the music environment, you know, that was like calling my name. Because I always thought that you should be able to record music into a computer on a hard drive and play it back. And and so now, yeah, everybody can do it. You know, but I was all into that years ago, man. Like, the, the first time I, I did music with a computer was with a Commodore computer from Radio Shack, man. And I made some very complex arrangements. Yeah, actually, a guy who sang for the Democratic Party approached me and asked me to do an orchestration of Luther Vandross' Man of La Mancha Impossible Dream for him. Just instrument, instrumentation. All the parts, hmm. you know, every part, the whole orchestra. Yeah. And I did it. And I did it on a Commodore computer. I mean, every flute, oboe, cello, every horn. I had harps, all of that, man. And, oh, I love the cello. So this is me taking my IT uh, knowledge and applying it to the music thing because they really go hand in hand now. I hear you, yeah. But now, now what, what, what do you have? Uh, I mean, another question I ask is uh, we, we try to pull out that bucket list and reach in and see what, what's up in there for you, man. What you have any type of uh, ambition that you haven't done that you might want to do? You want to get out and maybe uh, go on the road a little bit? Or just travel in general, or what? What's on the bucket list for you, man? What you got in mind? Um, let's see, bucket list: uh, Tokyo, um, Europe, and uh, as far as traveling, yeah, do some some more road stuff now, so I don't have to be on call. And uh, get with a lot of my friends out in L.A. I I joined the a website called soulpatrol.com, and that connected me with so many people across the planet. I have a friend that does music. Uh, he's he's a journalist in France, and he's a funkhead, man. He knows so much about music. It's ridiculous. And so, you know, I want to go hook up with him. I want to get in with him and get some music out there. And I have some friends out in L.A., you know, they introduced to so many people, you know, uh, Greg Wings of uh, Switch, and, and um, so I want to go out there and connect with them and hang out with them and, and put some stuff together with them, do some co-writing and stuff, and, uh, you know, just, just really travel a lot and really do the, the music thing like I couldn't do because I was doing IT all the time. So, yeah, you know... The door is wide open and, and uh, start a record company, you know, because I actually have several artists that I've been working with who have asked me to do that, you know, and just asked me, like, create this company that they could put stuff out with. We can all work together. And I said, cool. So I made this umbrella company. We'll do a bunch of uh, genres, you know, hip-hop, contemporary Christian, jazz, blues, R&B, funk, whatever, and, you know, just keep it real positive. So people have a venue to get this stuff out, and, and I can just keep it going, you know, and, and then teach people how to do this, you know, how to acquire the gear and how to engineer and how to produce the stuff, man. So that, that's that where I'm going now. And Sounds beautiful. That, that I, I'm really looking forward to that, man, yeah, because... Actually, I had a 13-year-old that, I, that I'm mentoring. I actually had him do a, a session for me. I had recorded a trombone on the song, and I had him engineer it. 
I taught him the difference between being a producer and an engineer. And I told him, I said, this is how you're going to learn. You're going to engineer my session, I'm going to produce. Then I'm going to engineer your session, and you produce. You know, and he's just soaking this up. He's he's trying to get a scholarship into Berkeley to do music production. And I'm going to do everything in my power to help him and to teach him and get him prepped so he has an edge going into the game. Wow. It's, it's beautiful that you that you bring up the next generation to to uh to, to be musically inclined. And that's that's one thing I hate about and that's and that's one of the problems that our youth have is that, you know, they take how, how can you take the bands out of high school, man? That music soothes the savage beats and that's why they took it out. Oh man. So 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 these kids can yeah. it's all a part of the uh, grandmaster plan. But you know, we need music back in school, man. These kids it's nothing like and you know that firsthand, to be able to play some music keep you out of a lot mm-hmm. of trouble. You know? Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. That that's that's it. I I, I listened to an interview with with Rick James and, and you know we're asking him about sampling and stuff and and he said you know government took music out of the schools. He said but it, it didn't stop black folks from creating music. Said so they sampled what was already there to create new music. You know, and it, it's a shame you got to do that. Um, but, you know, you look at times now where the music industry has grabbed a hold of that, too, to keep it very negative, to brainwash our children, to yep. keep them thinking that this is their only way out is, is to degrade women, swing drugs, be violent, and this is the only way they can make money, you know. And when we were coming up, it wasn't like that. We were all striving to be the best musicians we could be. We weren't trying to sound like... Anybody else is trying to be unique. Even the, the bands we listened to, they were all unique. The music was so flavorful and so varied. You know, you know, you go through the 70s, nobody sounded like anybody else. Everybody was unique. You go through the 80s, same thing. You know, and, and I love the 80s because you had Prince, Michael Jackson, and Rick James, and oh, Cameo, man. and yeah. P-Funk. You know, all of it was different. All of it was good. You know, And, and they all sing about love and fun. It was all love Man, and, and that's love is fun, and that's what's missing. Nobody's doing love songs, man. They're doing sex songs. They're doing violent songs. No, because nobody knows about love. Nobody's being taught about love. Nobody is experiencing or seeing examples of love, and, yeah, and that's that's, just... that's crazy, man. It's just. Unfortunately. I, it's really sad, man. You know, I, I love all those old school songs, man. You know, like like Smokey Robinson, man. My, my one of my aunts used to say Smokey was just such a rapper. He said he could just break you down. You know, just all his lyrics. Yes. You know, he say I can I build you a castle. You know, with a tower so high till it reaches the moon. And, you know, and if that's not good enough, I'll try something new. You know, ain't nobody saying it now. They talking about. You know, rocking the boots, I'm going to hit this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And I'm like, oh, come on, where's the romance, man? You know, but they're not being taught that, and there's, there's no example. No. The, you know, mainstream radio won't play that, you know. But it's out there on the web. Yeah. It's out there on the web. It's, it's but then, the too, if system. you look at, like, yeah, and you look at um, the music industry, and it's not racial, because if you look at, even today's pop and rock, all the music is negative. You know, all the kids are talking about breaking up. Somebody did them wrong. Somebody broke up with them. I'm so depressed. I don't know what to do. Hey, look at Miley Cyrus, Wrecking Ball. That's not a love song. That's from my heartache. You know, 
they, they, people don't have any hope, man. And, and that's something we had was hope, man. We had hope. So, you know, I look at this. If I can give somebody some hope to do something. No, that's a beautiful thing, positive. brother. Beautiful I, thing. I, I got to do it, you know. What what, what we do now, Brother Ron, as, we, as we, we close out, I want to give you the platform in a couple of minutes, whatever time you need, to just uh, put out there what you want to share with the world. Just a closing statement you want to present from Brother Ron Brown, Ron B. Smooth, to our listeners out here. Wow. I, I, I feel like I, I am this is all important and, and such a heavy weight on me. No. <laughs> Nah, I, I, <laughs> let me get back it. in character. Da, da. You are nah, good. All, all, all good. Is, is uh, man, I would just say, parents, you know, just uh, reach out to your kids, even those that aren't yours. Get back into that raising the community thing. I know it's a little fearful because uh, kids is buck wild because some people ain't raising them, but you know, it's still up to us and and. Uh, Show some love. It's there. You know, just don't be fearful. Uh, these kids just want to be loved. They want what we had. They just ain't nobody giving it to them, you know? And uh, and I'm going to give it to them. And I'm going to give it to them in music and every chance I get. And, I just you know, be on the lookout for projects from Ron B. Smooth. And uh, just going to put out some great music. And it's going to take you back to, you know, when it was about chops and playing and, and just putting out a good product about love, about hope, and just about feeling good because we need that once again. And uh, and and I just want to say, man, I just really want to say, Keith, thanks so much, man, for having me on the show. And I, I just never to say thanks enough, man. It's just, just a blessing, a great opportunity. And and I want to say thanks to all the musicians that uh, have worked with me and more to come. Some fantastic cats out there. And I couldn't have done it without them. Couldn't have done anything without the grace of God. Just eternally grateful and thankful for that. And South Shore, there's it's just no words. Words are too weak to describe, as Prince said. Yeah, South Shore has done for me, man. You know, just, man, just wish everybody could have the same experiences that we did. It's just, just something, you know, you can't even write about it. You just got to live it, man. And I guess I'm yep. done. I guess I'm done. Well, Bro, Ron, I tell you, beautiful words. Uh, I'm honored to have you on, that you take the time out from your day to come on the show. Uh, the show is only as good as uh, the guests that come on, man. And just like yourself, I, I can't do it without you. I don't have the talent to do this by myself, period. So uh, I thank you again for coming on. Uh, hopefully we'll get you on again once you get your, your next uh, uh, set of music out. We come on, talk about it, and you know, sample a couple of them and promote it for you, man. Uh Man, you oh, take care of yourself. Up. We'll be keeping in touch, brother. Definitely. I, I keep you posted what's going on, man. Thanks again. Deeply appreciate it. Likewise, brother Ron. Peace and spread the love, man. Absolutely. Thanks, man. All right. Thanks. You're welcome, brother. Take care now. And that was brother Ron Brown, brother Ron B. Smooth, great professional guitar player. And uh, that, that, story about uh, Jimi Hendrix and uh, him, his presentation before the class and really is bizarre to me because like I said, I have no idea what I talked about. I have no idea. What shows you, which gives credit to the depth in which he 
made his presentation because I was all ears and I was really paying attention. I remember it like it was yesterday. And he was very sincere and the, the class just uh, just perplexed by it. Everybody was really, really appreciative and, and admired uh, their presentation. But before I cut out, I do want to say uh, go Cubs. Uh, I'm so proud of these guys. I mean, th- these guys have been so much fun to watch. It, it, it has been just a it's just so fortunate, you know, to have been a Cub fan since I can go back as far as 1967 and uh, all the old schools that like you can't help but to remember 1969. Then you go down to 2003 and these guys are incredible. It's just a beautiful team. This is going to be America's team. And it probably already is outside those teams whose butts they kick. I'm out here in St. Louis and I'm telling you, it's awful quiet here. I've got a couple couple of dispatches out here, and uh, you know I just overhear people talking. I don't say anything. I'm doing my work, but I hear them talking, man. And they are so well. Hell, we know how it feels. Shit, we we we're a master at how it feels. But uh, St. Louis, you'll get over it. You'll be all right. And I hope you enjoyed your most recent World Series because I don't think you're gonna be seeing one for a while. On that note, in the name of whomever or whatever, spiritual power, peace, and good night.
Yeah. 
been listening to We Are Everyday People, South Shore Tars for Life. <laughs>